Welcome to the Learning Exchange, where L&D and HR professionals can dig deep into the ever-changing landscape of online learning and talent development. Each episode, we'll explore innovations in learning and discuss best practices with special guests from inside and outside the learning world. L&D is evolving, and the Learning Exchange is here to help you keep pace. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Learning Exchange. On this episode, handling objections. How many times do you or your teams face objections when attempting to drive change into your organization by way of learning? Perhaps it is introducing a new topic. Maybe it's taking an old topic and introducing a new way to deliver training on that topic. Um, But regardless, I think we've all faced objections when it's time for us to bring forward our recommendations. My follow-on question is, how do you navigate those objections? Um, I think far too often, our customers, those internal business partners who bring requests to our teams, will come to us with a request and a preconceived idea of how this request should be fulfilled. They will often have ideas about what the content should be, how it should look, what the format should be, um, and, and other parameters that really inform the design process. I think for a wide range of reasons, we have found ourselves in many cases very quick to just accept the recommendations and move forward rather than negotiating, especially if we know that it's someone who is going to negotiate until they wear us down. But have you ever stopped to understand the why? Why do your business partners have these objections when you are trying to bring something new to bear, um, whether it be a new format for old content, whether it be a new topic, or um, any other wide range of things. I personally have found that uh, oftentimes when people come to us as learning and development and say, I need training on a particular topic, about half the time, if not more, what they actually need is communication on the topic instead of training. This is not a new issue. I've been experiencing it for nearly 20 years, and I'm certain that I will continue to run into it from time to time. But it is something that continues to happen. And in this instance, it is always my goal to try and help them understand the difference between training and communication and then help them find a path to their outcome. Sometimes it is a result of myself or my team working to build a training intervention because that's what we know is needed. Sometimes it's actually just a nope, and that's that. I typically try to to provide a why whenever I do have to give a no. Um, And other times it's a, well, maybe, and then we collaborate so they're invested in the process. I think too often it can be easy for us just as we get so busy or as we get overwhelmed to shut something down because it takes too much time or it might be more work than we want to or even can afford to spend on the effort. I always try to make a dedicated effort to understand where someone is coming from so I can meet them where they are and help them find their path. Yes, it does take more time and it takes a lot of patience. 
but it is such a value add to the equation. When we can equip people with knowledge and information to help them better navigate situations, it empowers them, it builds trust, and quite frankly, it's something that we could all use more of rather than shutting them down or taking in the request and then having some private conversations in our peer groups about the absurdity of this request that I received or this somebody else came to me with a question about training and they didn't really need training and I don't know how to get them through it. I like having that sort of back channel conversation without addressing it head on just creates more issues. I was recently at a conference event where I was blessed to listen to an author and speaker talk about her work with a topic called generational codes. At the same time as this event, I was also teaching a competency workshop focused on effective learning design, which I've taught this particular session several times. And uh, this time, because of this new information from uh, the topic of generational codes, I was able to bring something new to the conversation that was really quite impactful. Um, In this workshop, we are discussing learning styles, learning modalities, and current trends. Now, um, for those that aren't familiar, when I talk about generational codes, it refers to sort of the why behind our actions and our preferences when we consider the generational slices of the population. So I'm talking about when we talk about population in terms of baby boomers and Gen X and millennials and Gen Y, um, there are there's science that goes into sort of why as a generational group, we do certain things in certain ways. Um, if you'd like to learn more about this, the author's name is Anna Leota and um, her book, Generational Codes, highly recommend checking it out. There's some really cool information. Um, So in this workshop uh, focused on effective learning design, we got onto the topic of microlearning. And there were a few people in the group that actually asked a question that I've gotten before, but this time the answer was a little bit different. And the question was, how do we shift an organization to adapt microlearning or any other format that may not be familiar? Um, whether it is a new format in the company altogether or whether it is taking old content delivered in a very different way and trying to freshen it up by bringing a microlearning component to it or taking an in-person classroom training and moving it to an online self-paced course. When we dug into the specifics, it turns out that there actually was some generational coding at play behind this resistance. And with this, I offer you the following question. Have you ever taken the time to uncover why you are met with the objections? Um, Sometimes it may be budget, which can be a very general objection. Sometimes it's the easy out in the conversation. People can hide behind it um, if they don't feel like investing in the defense or really articulating their position. Sometimes it may just be as simple as there isn't enough budget and we have to make choices on what we can and can't do. Sometimes the objections can come from a place of competing priorities where the business is saying we need too many things 
And we can only absorb a limited number of things at one time with any sort of success. So we have to start prioritizing. And unfortunately, learning tends to fall lower and lower on that list. I think largely there is also some generational coding at play here. Um, But how often do we stop and think about the underlying generational codes at play? I'm going to guess probably not too often. Um, For me, this term generational codes and the information is newer. Um, So I am still working it in to my own discipline day in and day out. But there's a lot that can be learned. Um, It's likely that the objections come because the person or people who are wanting the training or who bring the request were exposed to this very topic or similar topics in a very specific way. So it has been imprinted on them that this is the way it should be learned. As an example, if I learned how to make widgets by spending eight hours in an in-person classroom training, kind of hands-on experience, it's going to be really difficult for me to understand or accept that that information can be conveyed through microlearning. Now, there is a bigger conversation at play there because we're not talking about and shouldn't be talking about an all or nothing, meaning we're not saying take eight hours of training that was intensive and immersive and make it a two-minute bite-sized video. We're talking about blending and introducing a new way to consume a piece of the information on the topic. Maybe we create a highlight reel or an overview for the topic that really gives people what they need in two to five minutes. And maybe that's a precursor to the main event. And maybe that main training event, instead of eight hours, becomes three hours or four hours. And maybe we break it up in different modalities. Maybe we we chunk it out differently because we can use things like microlearning. We can use videos. We can use podcasts as a way to bring new life to the topic. There's a skill involved to help someone navigate the objections in a way that builds trust and confidence and respect amongst your business partners. But ultimately, the trick is to take the time to truly understand the backstory and not jump to conclusions. Even if there's not enough time, make the time. You will be so much better for it. (laughs) 